Welcome to Clarity in Real Time, where we explore how to access, sustain, and leverage inner clarity to build and scale businesses truly aligned with our values and goals. I'm your host, Danella Narker. Hello, everyone. We have with us today Elizabeth Sampy. She helps people with adventurous spirits to become strong, capable, and clear in body, mind, and soul so that they can have the confidence to be brave with their lives and reach their goals in any adventure that they choose. Liz holds a doctoral degree in physical therapy and extensive training in athletic performance, not only as a sponsored expedition extreme sports athlete and enduro mountain bike racer, but also as a coach. To support her strong belief in the vital importance of involving the whole person, mind, body, and soul, to facilitate the actualization of a full potential, she blends psycho-emotional, trauma-sensitive somatic and energetic healing techniques into her coaching to maximize integration and results for her clients. Welcome, Liz, and thank you so much for being here. I know mm-hmm. as a sponsored athlete, your schedule is packed. <laughs> hey, Danella, thanks so much for having me. I do have a packed schedule, but I am more than happy and excited to take the time out to chat with you and give some great tips to your people. Aw, thanks so much, Liz. And I have to confess that uh, I find your lifestyle super inspiring. Um, Folks, Liz is on the road to exotic places and to crazy expedition adventures all the time. And that is something that my heart seeks constantly as well. And I have so many ideas swirling since we last talked. And I'm super curious if you could just, you know, share a little bit of an overview of maybe like some highlights from your last year or so. Yeah, I consider myself a multi-sport adventure athlete. And what that means to me is that I have multiple passions in sport. I love mountain biking. I love pack rafting, which is basically an inflatable whitewater kayak. I love backcountry skiing and ski mountaineering. And I love moving through the mountains on foot. And so what I like to do is design expedition style projects somewhere in the world that captures my interest and combine as many of those things as possible. So my most recent project, I went to Alaska to do a three-week expedition where I was traveling by bike, which is called bikepacking, and then also pack rafting some wild, huge Alaskan rivers. So all human-powered, all self-supported. I did an expedition in Puerto Rico right after Hurricane Maria, and that was a solo attempt to circumnavigate the coastline of Puerto Rico on a fat tire bicycle and with a pack raft to do some ocean paddling and crossing rivers. And this one was really special to me because it was the first time that I was able to really very intimately combine adventure and impact. So I volunteered my skills as a physical therapist and as a Reiki healer to help people along the way who had suffered from the effects of Hurricane Maria. I also used my platform as an athlete to bring attention to what was going on in Puerto Rico and the state of the people down there. That was really fun. I raced the entire Arizona Trail this past spring called the AZT 750. And it was a self-supported, human-powered mountain bike race from Mexico to Utah, including carrying my bike and all my gear on my back through the Grand Canyon. And that took me nine days, 11 hours, and 44 minutes, which was setting a new women's record for full traversal of the years on the trail on a bike. That was pretty fun. And uh, my next adventure is I'm about to head to Pakistan 
with a teammate of mine who's an expedition kayaker. We are putting together a bike packing and pack rafting traverse from Pakistan to Nepal. We'll be traversing high mountains and some of the world's deepest rivers in the Himalayas over Pakistan, India, and Nepal. That's my jam. <laughs> that, that is an amazing jam to me. And I, I have so many highlights in there that I'd want to talk about. Like, how do you stay clear on like what your mission is here? And you're under duress. Your human suit has so much going on and stress when you do this. You've got teammates, you've got logistics. And how do you do this as a sponsored athlete? Like I imagine you're heavy into social media in order to bring attention, not only to the mission, it sounds mm-hmm. like, like in the Puerto Rico instance, but also to generate interest for your sponsors. How does all that look? Yeah. So in terms of doing sponsored trips or sponsored races, in pitching my project to the sponsors, I have to be really clear on what my deliverables are going to be, what they are going to get from the project. And so in that as well, I have to be really clear in myself of what I'm actually doing out there. Am I just going and gallivanting through the mountains or do I have a deeper purpose? What am I going to be showing about the trip through my social media, through their social media? What message am I going to portray? What photos am I going to get? What content can I deliver? Just being really clear in all of my deliverables helps them to decide if they want to support me and also helps me to decide what the trip is going to be about for me. So this next trip coming up to Pakistan, my teammate and I, one of both of our really core beliefs is that the last frontier of exploration and adventure is actually the human experience of adventure. So there aren't many places in the world that are legitimately unexplored. Human feet have touched all corners of the world. But the human experience is a very different thing. And so for this expedition, our project pitch, in addition to showing all the beautiful photos and having the adventure story is talking about themes for our adventure that are really relatable to anybody. Things like teamwork, things like creativity, things like resourcefulness, goal setting, what to do when shit hits the fan, because in any adventure, it inevitably will hit the fan. (laughs) So having a lot of clarity around those things helps me to be more prepared for the expedition and also helps my sponsors to make the decision if they want to support me. And all of that comes through on my social media and my branding. So you're not only balancing all the logistics of that, you're also holding this, it seems like, inner clarity on like a, a purpose that seems really solid to you. Like It's mm-hmm. almost like you set the context before you even get out there into the field so that you know mm-hmm. exactly what you're delivering on. So it's almost like you're holding like an internal storyline that you're following. I have an internal theme, typically. So when when you get on the ground, all these plans that I've made and all the routes that I've selected on Google Earth and Gaia GPS, which are my software where I map my routes on, that could all go out the window. I know, especially in a country like Pakistan or in like Guatemala, Peru, other places I've done expeditions, everything can just get thrown out the window once you get on the ground. So I have a theme in my head, and then I also make sure to be really adaptable in you know, stories can sometimes just happen to you without you actually really knowing what they're going to be. So I think that holding that kind of balance between this is my theme and also being open to stories that might happen along the way and different themes that might develop has been really key for me. So flexibility and adaptability and navigating the unknown has been a huge theme both in my adventure and in my life. Yeah, it seems to me like that's where the aliveness or the authenticity would come from. Like you can have this very set, rigid 
I guess, expedition plan, we'll just call it the plan, right? right. The strategy which you are executing in order to get from A to, to B, this very like informational level piece. And mm-hmm. then what you're really delivering on though is this sort of relational piece, this, this what is happening in the moment what is happening on the ground and who am I encountering, especially with an internal theme as in the human experience. Mm-hmm. How on earth do you stay track to that when, you know, the fan gets hit for instance? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question. So something that I've had to learn, which I learned as an adventurer and also very much applies to everywhere else in life is the art of slowing down even when you're moving really quickly. So I am an incredibly high energy person and I operate at a very fast pace normally. And that's in every single aspect of my life, especially as a racing athlete. Sometimes if I'm in a race, obviously all the time, if I'm in a race, I'm trying to go as fast as possible, right? So in order to make really clear and smart decisions, I've had to hone the skill of slowing down while still moving fast. And so for me, tangibly, what that's looked like is when I start to feel myself going into what we call the red zone and feeling that inner anxiety, nervousness, maybe my heart starts racing, I start to feel that rush of adrenaline that's not actually related to what I'm doing on my bicycle, I note those markers in my body and I say, okay, stop. And I literally stop sometimes. Sometimes if I'm on my bike, I'll just pedal slowly, but sometimes I stop. And I say, okay, we're going to take a deep breath and calm down the reactions in my body. And so there is a nerve in our body. This is going to be the nerdy physical therapist in me coming out. There's a nerve in our bodies called the vagus nerve. And what that does is it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest part of our animal nervous system. And we can activate that vagus nerve simply by taking deep, slow breaths in and out through our noses. And it's especially the deep, slow out breath that activates that vagus nerve. So in those moments when I'm feeling frenetic, I stop and I take five deep, slow breaths. It typically doesn't even take five. For me, at this point, it takes about three. And I slow down my system. And then I say, okay. I have a decision to make. Here are my facts. Da, 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 da. It can be fast. Here are my choices. What makes the most sense? And then I make the decision and then I move forward. And this can all happen within the span of like 10 seconds. And it's, you know, when I first started doing this process, it took me a lot longer, but I've honed it over the years in adventure. I feel like adventure is the perfect like, training ground for the rest of life because I've honed this in these situations where I actually am under quite a bit of physical duress and I'm able to do it quickly. And so in the rest of my life, I can take the same skill when I may be actually not in a hurry physically or I'm not in any physical danger and I can apply it to, hey, I'm sitting here in my van. I'm working on something with my business. I'm feeling stressed and anxious. I can use that same skill that I use in the mountains to help me bring more clarity to the work that I'm doing in my business. Mm, This seems vitally important for all of us to learn. So I think I want to do a little slowdown and rewind through it and make sure I got it for myself and for the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like the first step is in this system that you've learned while you've trained yourself in a duress situation. 
So some sort of stress situation, physicality, outdoors, pursuits, it seems like it's majority where you've learned this. But the first step is to notice that you're A, in a state of like a frantic or frenetic energy. So maybe physically you're still moving, but it's more a noticing of like your nervous system state. Yep. Okay. So first notice. And then it seems like the second step is to take three to five breaths with the out breath being the most important, the slow out breath. So notice breath. And then the next piece, it seems like you bring in almost like a statement. You need to make a decision. Mm -hmm. So a present moment thing. And you go through the information, the facts. It seems like you're actually pulling out some of the emotional pieces of that. And you're just going down through the informational piece. I think you did. Okay. And then what really strikes me is you make the decision and you go. Mm -hmm. And it all happens within 10 seconds because you've trained this so well in your body. Mm-hmm. Did I miss anything in that? That was really good. Nope. <laughs> that was a perfect recap of uh, what I just talked about. Yeah. Well, to me, it, it is such a, a vital piece. It's something that I, I wish that I'd been taught in grade school, right? How to bring myself out of this nervous system state of anxiety or frenetic or static. It almost feels like static to me. And mm-hmm. I too have used outdoor sports, but I don't think I've ever heard it so clearly pinned back to the, na- the vagus nerve before. So it's actually a physiological piece and action that you're taking. Is that correct? Exactly. Yep. So for me, in order to think clearly with my mind, which is going to be my decision maker in the end, it's important for me to calm down the body. If the body is having that frenetic energy, the mind is going to be racing and not able to think clearly. Mm. So I also happen to know about you from our own adventures that you also follow intuition. So how does intuition tie into this? So intuition, for me, ties in more on a bigger level. So when making any of my major life decisions, they have always come about because of intuitive hits. It just feels like the right thing to do. And then I work backwards from that to make sense of it in my head and discern the steps that I'm actually tangibly going to take in order to make that happen. Intuition in the field is a little trickier. I do listen to that. So one of the things that I mentioned that I do is backcountry skiing and ski mountaineering. So I'm traveling in avalanche terrain a lot. It can be really dangerous. And so for me, the way that intuition comes in in that is if I'm at a decision point and I'm looking at the facts, and I'm looking at my decisions, and all the facts seem to point to the fact that it's okay to go, to see the line, but my intuition, something in my gut says, no, I will not go. So intuition can be a powerful overrider for me. And the discernment there is, is this intuition or is this fear? Because they can both manifest as a very similar feeling. And so something that's been important for me in adventure and also in life, and particularly in relationships, is discerning, is this my intuition or is this fear? So going back to the skiing example, I'm standing on top of a line. Am I afraid to ski it for some particular reason? Every time I stand on top of a big ski line, anytime I get into a whitewater run, I am nervous. That is just a fact. That <laughs> it's just the way it is. And so discerning, am I just nervous? What do the facts point to here? Do all the facts point to the fact that this is safe, that this is okay? 
and you know, you know this, Danella, like in kayaking, in mountaineering, nothing's 100% safe, right? It's a river. It's a mountain. At the end of the day, they don't give a flying F about us, right? So <laughs> safety is really <laughs> but Yep. <laughs> I can attest to that and some serious beatdowns from my own experience. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? So, so I think people like us who are very familiar with fear and anxiety start to discern the difference between, okay, is this just my normal fear and anxiety because I'm about to run this rapid that feels like it's going to munch my face? Or that intuitive hit of like, do not get in the water. Do not get on that airplane. Do not drop that line. And so in that case, I listen because I've just come to know the difference between, yep, I'm a little nervous right now. This is a little scary. And this is an intuitive hit that I need to not do the thing. Does this make, does that make sense? It does to me. And I think I want to drill down into it. I think we're going to sink into this more rather than continuing on because folks, I have so many things that we could go to between Liz and I to talk about for inner and outer clarity from team leadership to what do you do in crisis? And maybe we'll come back around another episode. But this in particular, I think is really important because in my world, in my experience, at least entrepreneurship and the extreme sports and the expedition type stuff that I've done have felt very similar in my body, especially when I'm making decisions that are going to affect maybe a pivot, you know, where Mm -hmm. am I taking my business? Where am I going? And I imagine that listeners as well, you know, they're making decisions that can affect them and their families and their businesses years down the road. So how do we actually discern between that nervousness, that little bit of anxiety that is maybe actually a motivator if we focus Mm -hmm. it just right? And when is it actually an intuitive hit where all those other senses that we have are bringing in information and producing that intuition that's saying no, a go or a no go. Mm -hmm. So I think in some of my experiences, A, getting way more in touch with my own body and Mm -hmm. slowing down in these experiences to pause and also to talk about it with others in that same moment and gather information from them for what they're getting has been useful to understand my system better. Have you experienced Mm -hmm. anything like that with your team experiences? Yeah, absolutely. Both in adventure and like in, in entrepreneurship or in re- any type of business or personal relationship, I definitely use other people's feedback when considering my decisions. And that's different than just doing what somebody says, obviously, but considering other people's feedback, other people's experience, knowing, like you said, slowing down enough to really remember who I am and what I'm bringing to the table. You know, that's both my strength my limitations, my challenges, and then using other people's input to fill in my gaps, because I certainly do have gaps. And so in the whitewater, I have a good friend who is an expert kayaker who's been coaching me on how to run harder whitewater. So when I am at the top of a rapid, and I'm feeling frenetic and scared, I ask him, and he knows the rapid really well. And he's able to tell me, okay, you have this rock, you have this hole, the water goes this way. This is how your boat is going to come through the hole. You know how to make this move. You've done this in, in smaller white water. You can do it here. Just to talk me through factually and very calmly. <laughs> that definitely can help me assuage some of my fears as well, for sure. And I know that I'm going to have those fears when I'm in that situation. So I take those facts that he has told me and I take them, I take them pretty seriously. I don't just take them with a grain of salt. It makes me also think about like 
comparing like your inner knowledge. So it seems like you spent quite a bit of time getting to know yourself too, right? And how you respond mm-hmm. in these different situations. I'm thinking a little bit back to one of my recent adventures where I broke a wrist dirt biking. And I knew that I was off that day. Mm-hmm. I took external input and it was positive external input. And I took like my memories of making this move. I don't know how many hundreds of times before, no big mm-hmm. deal. And yep. if I had really truly sat with it, I probably would have come to the conclusion of I was just so off that day. There was no way I was going to make yeah. the move. And so Absolutely. there was the, there was the result. And so even though the result was like pain and, you know, breakage, it actually was a data point that was like, oh yeah, your intuition was dead on. You just chose to ignore it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I love that you brought that up. That's definitely happened to me as well. And, <laughs> and I, I, I've had both situations, right? So I've had instances where I've been on a mountain bike ride and same thing. I was just off. Like I'm a professional rider. I can ride nearly anything relatively well. I can at least get through it. But I certainly have days when it's hard for me to just get on my bike and start pedaling. I fall off the other side. For whatever reason, my balance is off, whatever, right? We have an off day. And I back off of lines during those times. And if I'm with friends, they're like, oh, you've you've done that drop a million times. You've ridden that line a million times. And I've actually become really good at saying, I know, but today ain't going to happen. So yeah, that's that's so important. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's learning through the fails, right? Like often we talk about entrepreneurship, like, you know, you have to get rejections, you have to have fails in order to learn. And that's often where the juice is. And I think that's really present for me in this discernment. I, I think it's been the falling on my face, the sometimes physical or emotional feedback that maybe wasn't so comfortable that actually Mm -hmm. gave me the greatest discernment in my system between that is this fear from projection of what could happen or is this an intuition saying oh you're gonna hurt yourself today don't make that call and I definitely translate that over into my business it seems like you do as well yeah yeah so I'll talk a little bit about my big mega life shift that I made about five years ago I had my dream job as a sports medicine physical therapist. I was a fully sponsored racing athlete. I had a beautiful house. I was in a relationship. And to anybody's standards, I had it made. You know, I had it all. And all my friends would be like, oh, you've made it. That's so great. Look where you live. Look what you're doing. And one day, I just had this intuitive hit that it was like some voice from the inside or the outside saying to me, all right, great job. You did it. Okay, next. And I just had this deep internal feeling that it was time to shift. Intuitively, I could not ignore the feelings and the signs that said, okay, your life is great. Nice job. Now it's time to shift and go do something else. And so that was something where I took a leap in my coaching business to go out on my own. I took a leap in my athlete work to leave some of the sponsors that had supported me locally and go out on a bigger level to be more international. That was a huge leap in my business. And that all came about because of a big intuitive hit and following that. Mm. To me, there's like a a real trust in your intuition there. It looks like from the outside, at least. And there's something else in there. It's almost like once you make the decision, you focus in and you take action in a way that I think is quite admirable. Where does that come from? Hmm. I feel like that has also come from my life as an athlete. And to your first point, you're absolutely right. I do trust my intuition. and. To your second point, as a competitive athlete, so I've been a competitive athlete since age four. I did my first running race at age four. And at age four, half a mile was an endurance event. (laughs) And so my entire life, I've been honing the ability to 
focus in on a decision and move forward with that. And so I do that in racing, I do that in expedition. There's so much energy that we can waste when we're going back and forth and deliberating if our decision was right or not. And so I take a lot of time to both listen to my intuition, listen to the messages from my body, and also to gather all the facts with my brain. I take a lot of time. And when I make a decision, I move forward. And typically, as I start to move, I look for that hell yes. Does this still feel like a hell yes? It might feel scary. It might feel committing. But does it still feel in my gut like a hell yes? And I don't know that I've ever experienced it feeling like a no. I've definitely had fear. But as long as it's a hell yes, I go forward with it. And I just block off all of those doubts that say, oh, are you sure? Maybe you should have done this. Maybe you should have done this. Maybe you should go that way. You know, I, I keep gathering data. But when I focus in, I definitely move forward quickly. And I think I now understand the phrase that I heard from you as we did the interview for this episode, which was, you've managed to align your external life to match your internal environment as mm-hmm. an extreme athlete, as a coach, as a human. And I feel so grateful that we got you today for this time. And I'm wondering if there's a final nugget or a piece of inspiration or something that you would want a listener to take home from this episode. The overarching theme that I feel is important is to get really clear around who you are, what lights you up, and what works for you. So as I mentioned before, my pace as a high-energy person is pretty fast. And I've had a lot of feedback from other people in my life that I need to slow down because my pace stresses them out. And what I've learned is that it's important to be discerning and be sensitive when I'm around other people, that what feels very normal to me might feel very stressful to them, and to be, be discerning and be sensitive to that. But at the same time, not take their feedback and change my life because of their feedback on what would work for them, because that's not necessarily what works for me. And that's been really huge for me. My life is very unconventional. I live in a 1997 Chevy Astro van, I travel around the world on my bicycle. And for me, that works. And so it's important to me to just know that and be really clear in that. And I guess the last thing I would say is just learn how to be your own inspiration. So I get people all the time, you know, whether that's through social media messages or in person saying, oh, you're so inspiring. Everything you do is so inspiring. And I've definitely built that. As you said, I've built my outer alignment to match my inner alignment. And that's something that anybody can do. So it's great to take inspiration from other people. But I think the most important thing is to learn how to be the inspiration for yourself. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Liz, so much for being here and sharing that with us. And I cannot wait for our next adventure. Where do you want to go? (laughs) Mexico? You want to go to Mexico? Mexico. One of my favorite places on earth. I would love to go to Mexico. I would love to get into a river with you and paddle some white water because I think you have a lot to teach me there. Oh my God. We would have silly amounts of fun. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Danella Narker, and it is my belief that people leading lives and businesses clearly aligned with their values and goals is a level up for all of us. Learn more about how to apply clarity practices in your life at danella.com. This has been Clarity in Real Time. See you next episode.